I'm weird. You're weird. You're weird. That's so weird. Weird sister. Weird sister. Weird sister. I'm weird. Imagine that it's the Middle Ages. You're walking through a German forest in the Rhineland Palatinate, about 75 kilometers southwest of the city of Mainz. You are searching for mushrooms or gathering firewood or hunting game, any of the myriad tasks that are part of your livelihood. The day is waning, and through the trees you hear vespers coming from the monastery at Dizzy Bodenberg. How lovely would it be to hear that song to God? You likely wouldn't understand Latin, but still you'd feel transported by this beautiful tune written by the abbess of Dizzy Bodenberg. Her name is Hildegard, and she is one fascinating woman. Born around 1098, Hildegard von Bingen was cloistered at the age of 14 within the Benedictine order. A writer, composer, philosopher, Christian mystic, and visionary, she's considered by many in Europe to be the founder of scientific natural history in Germany. Hildegard was a healer and an herbalist, a physician and a botanist with expert knowledge of medicinal plants. But Hildegard struggled as well. She had what she called visions from the time she was a small child, experiences of an intense and bright light that felt holy to her and connected her to her soul. At the age of 77 years old, she wrote about these visions in a letter to the abbot of the monastery at Gembleu, Belgium. In her letter, Hildegard stated that, From my early childhood, before my bones, nerves, and veins were fully strengthened, I have always seen this vision in my soul, even to the present time when I am more than 70 years old. In this vision, my soul, as God would have it, rises up high into the vault of heaven and into the changing sky, and spreads itself out among different peoples, although they are far away from me, in distant lands and places. And because I see them this way in my soul, I observe them in accord with the shifting clouds and other created things. I do not hear them with my outward ears, nor do I perceive them by the thoughts of my own heart, or by any combination of my five senses, but in my soul alone while my outward eyes are open. So, I have never fallen prey to ecstasy in the visions, but I see them wide awake, day and night, and I am constantly fettered by sickness, and often in the grip of pain so intense that it threatens to kill me. But God has sustained me until now. The light which I see thus is not spatial, but it is far, far brighter than a cloud which carries the sun. I can measure neither height nor length nor breadth in it, and I call it the reflection of the living light. And as the sun, the moon, and the stars appear in water, so do writings, sermons, virtues, and certain human actions take form for me and gleam. Some researchers focused on forensic medicine believe that the grip of intense pain and bright lights that Hildegard witnessed 
are the classic symptoms of migraine with aura. In 1913, a German scientist and historian named Charles Singer first postulated a retrospective diagnosis of migraine with visual aura for Hildegard. As Singer examined Hildegard's illuminated manuscript Skewus, he noted that the crenulated patterns, the many points of light, and the liberal use of stars as a theme resemble descriptions by patients of what they see during attacks of migraine. The late great neurologist Oliver Sacks agreed with Singer, stating that the Skewus images were indisputably migranous. As a migraine sufferer myself, I can see how one could interpret Hildegard's descriptions of her pain and her light-infused visions as depictions of the aura and suffering of that very specific type of headache. I got my first migraines when I was 10, and they were accompanied by shimmering lights just at the periphery of my sight. That light was blue and orange and silvery white and took on the shape like the top of a castle wall. The lights were paired with a pain that seemed to be just behind my right eye. It took me years to tell my mother about these strange experiences. I didn't recognize them for what they were, and I thought of them as my eye headaches. I knew how much aspirin to take, and as a girl who kind of liked to be left alone, I kept my headaches to myself. When I was 13, I was at the local mall with my older sister Elizabeth. We stopped at Baskin Robbins for some ice cream and planned to walk around and window shop. I got chocolate fudge and of course didn't realize at that time that chocolate can be a trigger for some migraine sufferers. Within 15 minutes of my first bite, I began seeing the most extravagant colored lights at the edge of my field of vision. This was followed by blotchy patches at the center where I couldn't see at all. Then the headache came, a pounding, relentless pain. I told Beth that I felt sick and needed to find a restroom. I sat on the cool floor in the relatively dark bathroom at a Mervyn's department store while my sister used the payphone to call our mom. I vomited up the ice cream and felt a little better. And by the time our mother came to get us, the pain had diminished. As I climbed into the front seat of her Suburban, my mom asked, What's wrong, Rabbit? I said, oh, I just had one of my eye headaches. I will never forget the look on my mother's face. A nurse who had migraine herself, my mother instantly recognized that I too was suffering from a neurological condition that has affected many women in our family. Her face fell and she looked so sad for me. That night, my mom asked me about my eye headaches how long I'd been having them, and how frequently. She shared that she too began getting migraine at about age 10, that her own mother had them, and that they can be hereditary. So it's no surprise to me that both of my sisters have a history of migraine, as do several of their daughters. Migraine has comorbid conditions that are also rampant in my family. Depression, anxiety, sensory reactivity, panic disorder, and other neuropsychiatric traits are well known to me and my family. My family members experience many neurocognitive outliers, including attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, autism, and sensory processing disorder. I didn't realize until I was conducting research for the Weird Sister podcast 
that migraine is more frequent in people with neurocognitive differences. In a 2014 paper published in the research journal Autism, Dr. Jillian Sullivan, PhD, noted that children with autism spectrum disorders were more likely to have migraine. This was especially true in children who had a high level of anxiety and challenges with sensory processing. Another researcher, Manuel F. Casanova, MD, notes that a putative relationship between autism and migraine is suggested by similarities in clinical histories and laboratory evidence. I am not pushing the concept that Hildegard was on the autism spectrum. There are many problems with retrospective diagnosis and I lack the clinical skills and education to make this hypothesis. What I am noting though is the connection between migraine and neurocognitive differences. Neurodiversity is my weird sister badge of honor, migraine is one of my neurodiverse traits, and St. Hildegard is my patron saint of the strangest of headaches. And I believe it is of utmost importance that Hildegard's own interpretations of her neurocognitive experience have prominence. If Hildegard stated she was having a mystical moment in heavenly visions, then by all means I believe this to be true. Even if her experiences also map on to a contemporary understanding of migraine, Hildegard had every right to make meaning from her own consciousness, and I am an advocate for every person's agency in this world. For me, the visionary aspects of Hildegard of Bingen's writings offers a rare look into the mind of a migraineur and one of the world's most prolific polymaths. This is Cece Hart, and I want to thank you for joining me for the Weird Sister podcast. In episode six, we'll talk epiphanies and what it means to recognize one has neurodiverse traits. You can always find me via my neurodiversity blog at cchart.me. That's C-C-H-A-R-T dot M-E. Links to social media are on my website, and I'd be delighted to connect with you on Twitter or Instagram. The Weird Sister podcast is only possible with the gracious support of my audio producer, Stacey Denick. May the weird be with you.